Well, good morning. Good to see you. Hey, I want to welcome you, and especially if it's the very first time here at uh, Rocky Peak. My name's Mike. I'm one of the pastors, and we're just glad you, you found us. We have a lot going on. I hope uh, we can uh, see a lot of you. This uh, class we're starting tonight, this movement class you heard Brad talk about. It's really designed for those of uh, kind of two kinds of people. Uh, maybe you're brand new to the church, just trying to figure it out, uh, kind of uh, what the church is about, what we stand for, how to, how to grow in your own life, and Definitely designed for you. And then on the other hand, designed for, for those of you who said, I've been here for a while and I really do want to partner in this, this thing. It's kind of got two different uh, groups, and, but it's all new material, brand new course, first time I've taught it, and looking forward to that. And so I uh, encourage you to join us if you can. Also, uh, this, this new course that I'm going to be teaching called Loving People, Doing Relationships a Whole New Way. You know, we've talked about this this last year, that the New Testament, the one primary thing is to love people, love God, love people. And uh, yet we often don't know, like, well, how does that look like? How does that work out in real life and dealing with tough situations, communication, conflict, different things like that. And so uh, we're going to be dealing with all kinds of things in there. Looking forward to that. So uh, if you are brand new, uh, inside of your program is a white message note sheet that we use every week for our time of teaching and I encourage you to take that out. You'll, you'll definitely want to do that. And, uh, and then I'm going to pray and we're going to jump in. So y'all ready to go? Wow, that's exciting. Uh, Whoa! Yeah, that's there we go. What I'm talking about. All right, there we go. That's right. Very good. Nice, nice, nice. I'm ready now. I'm pumped up. Okay, let's let's pray. Father, thank you so much for what you're doing at our church and the way you are waking us up, calling us on, Lord. I think of your word that says, "Awake, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you." And that's what we want to do, Lord. We want to wake up. We want Christ to shine. We want Him to speak and to lead and guide. And so. Lord, as we talk about unleashing this movement of passionate Christ followers today and this important piece of serving uh, sacrificially, we pray that you just uh, open our, our, uh, our eyes and our ears to see and hear what you want us to see. and You'd speak to us by name. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, our story starts today uh, in the spring of the year. It's actually about Passover time. Uh, Jesus has been in the south of the, the country, and he's now uh, traveled to the north. He's up in his home, home area of, of Galilee. And uh, it's, it's crazy time in his life. Uh, his popularity is, is through the roof. His public, uh, public approval ratings have never been higher. Uh, his men have just gotten back from a, a preaching healing tour that he sent them out where they healed the sick, cast out demons. And so it's an exciting time, and yet it's just a crazy time. In fact, it's so busy that they can't even get a meal together. And on top of that, Jesus is going through a time of personal loss. Uh, his cousin, John the Baptist, has just been murdered by this crazy king that rules over Galilee. His name is Herod. And Herod wants to see Jesus now. And so for all these reasons, Jesus feels like it's a great time to get out of Dodge. And so they're on the west side of the Sea of Galilee, and uh, he collects his men, and he says, look, you're all beat, you're tired, let's head to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, uh, to the eastern side, for a little R&R. And so uh, they, they load up in the boat, but the bad part is, is that someone sees them, someone recognizes them, and kind of puts two and two together. And, uh, and so while they're going across the, this you know, few-mile lake, going to the other side to get some R&R, the crowds, they are racing around, uh, kind of word gets out, they're racing around the north side of the sea to kind of get there. And so this is about, I don't know if you've ever had this happen to you, that like you have a great vacation planned, and then like right at the last second, like something comes up that kind of ruins it. 
You know, you're so excited, you're so pumped. I remember a year or two ago, it was the fall, and it had been a really crazy fall here, really busy. I think I'd spoken 13 weeks in a row, and there's just a ton of stuff going on. And Lynn and I, it was in early December, we were going to get away uh, to Julian uh, for a week. And I just couldn't, if I could just make it through this last week and just make it through this last service, I felt like I was just running on empty. I was so tired. And I remember walking out, you know, after the service, maybe a half an hour or so afterwards, I've talked to everyone, and the parking lot's empty. I'm walking up there, and, and Lynn's in our car, and I get in, and she says, uh, I hate to tell you this. Like, that's not what you want to hear right before a vacation, Right? And she tells me this story how she'd been, uh, she'd uh, been early, you know, she'd packed early, she was all ready to go, so she decided to take a long bath in our big jacuzzi tub upstairs and turned on that water, get it going full blast, you know, to get the tub all filled. And then uh, she forgot. Uh, and so the water had just kind of come over the top. And, and it's like, you are ready to go on vacation. This is nice. So I just said, oh, yes, praise the Lord, you know, it's just... I'm sure this is what God has planned for us today. Um, Whenever you've been there, it's like you're ready for vacation. All of a sudden, you got a flat tire or some tragedy or something. And so this is their deal. They're they're in the boat, and they're heading across. And they are so excited because they're going to get to be away, just hang out, away from the crowds, be together, a little R&R, time with Jesus, time alone, time to catch up, tell them the stories and everything. And, uh, and when they arrive, they pull up this boat, and they look up on the shore, and you can see it there coming, and there are thousands, literally thousands of people on the shore that have beat them there, and they're like, oh, man, let's just keep going, you know? And Jesus says, no, we got to minister these people. They're like sheep without a shepherd. And so, so he pulls in, and uh, they spend the whole day there ministering these people. He's healing. He's teaching. Uh, by the end of the day, they are all now really exhausted. So they come to him. It's, it's going to be getting dark pretty soon. They come to him and say, we need to send these people out to the villages. We don't have food here. We need to send some people out. Uh, just, just send them away. Uh, we, we need this little R&R. And Jesus, uh, he says something that takes him totally by surprise and that's going to lead to a major crisis in all their lives by the end of the day. If you're here uh, today for the very first time, again, we want to welcome you. And we're in the midst of a series. It's called Revealed. You can see it on the walls. It's a study of the life and teaching of Jesus as seen through the eyes of one of his closest friends and followers, a man by the name of John, who wrote the Gospel of John. So we're we're in the study of John, and we're actually in the second mini-series. The first one uh, was called God in the Flesh, chapter 1 to 4. The second one is called uh, Conflict and Crisis, chapter 5 through 12. And so if you've got your Bibles, why don't you open up to chapter 6 of John, and we'll jump in and see what happens today. Today we're going to be looking at one of the most famous stories um, in the life of Jesus. In fact, it's the only story other than his death and resurrection that is found in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And so it's a very famous story. Um, but there's part of this story that they didn't teach you in Sunday school. And so that's what we're going to be looking at as well. So here we go. Uh, Chapter 6 and verse 1. Sometime after this. Now if you were here with us last week, we were in John chapter 5. Jesus was in the south of the country at Jerusalem, at the capital. He heals a man on the Sabbath. The religious leaders go nuts. They want to kill him. He decides it's a a good time to go north. And so he goes back to Galilee where he's from. And so he's been back for a few months now. So we've, the story, we've, we've you know, jumped ahead several months in time. And, uh, and so Jesus crosses to the far side of the Sea of Galilee, which is uh, the eastern side. That is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the miraculous signs he performed on the sick. 
And, and like I told you earlier, um, because we have all four gospel accounts, we get a lot of information from the other three accounts to kind of piece together what happened this day. They had actually just come back from this big teaching, preaching tour, just as men, where they'd heal the sick, cast out demons, and, and taught. So they get back, they're really tired, jump in the boat, they're going to get away from some R&R. Uh, Jesus's, uh, uh, King Herod had just killed Jesus's, uh, his cousin, John the Baptist, and now wanted to see Jesus. For, so for all these reasons, it was a great time. Let's get out to a remote area. Let's get away from the crowd. And so uh, when, when they get there, though, this crowd has, like I said, gone the north side of the lake. They've shown up there. There's thousands of people, as we'll see. And so Jesus went up on the mountainside, verse 3, and he sat down with his disciples. And it says a Jewish Passover feast was near. Now, this is an important part of the story. The Jewish Passover is sort of like their 4th of July. Um, it's their, their national holiday. It's, uh, it's this is the day that you celebrate. Uh, they look back in time. They celebrate the time when God set them free from slavery in Egypt and turned them into a nation. And so it's a very patriotic time, much like a 4th of July. You look back, you see what God did. And, of course, uh, they're praying now that God will do it again. You know, and then, uh, because... Uh, it, then he sent a Messiah, or not a Messiah, but he sent Moses to, to set them, get them free. But now they're, they're under bondage to Rome again. And so every year during Passover, it's not only a time to look back and remember what God did, it's a time you're praying, God, do it again. It's a very patriotic time, and that pays, uh, plays an important part in this story. Now, verse 5. So when Jesus looks up, he sees a great crowd coming towards him, and he says to Philip, Philip's one of his men, and Philip is, 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 he actually lives in this area. He's from a town called Bethsaida that's not very far away. And so he kind of knows the area. So he turns to one of his men, Philip, and he says, uh, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? Now, as we're going to see today, this is a crazy question. This is a ridiculous question. Um, you got to picture this. Uh, we're going to learn later in this story that there was 5,000 men here at this moment. On top of that, Matthew fills in that there was also, many of them have their wives and children with them. So there's between 5, 10, 15, some scholars believe as many as 20,000 people there. To kind of picture this, you're 20,000 people, you're exhausted, uh, the, the guys have been working all day, it's getting late now, you're in the middle of nowhere, you're not nearby anything, you know, there's no Costco, there's no Sam's, there's no, there, there's, I was going to say Starbucks, that's just about a habit, there, there, there's no uh, a Walmart superstore, that's what I was going to say, there is, you're, you know, there's no Ralph's, no Vaughn, I mean, there's, there's, there's nothing, you're in the middle of nowhere, you've got 15, 20,000 people, 10,000, whatever it is, and you turn to your, one of your guys and say, hey, where, do you, where are we going to find food for dinner? Are, are, you, are you with me on this? This is like crazy question. Um, and, and so, uh, but, but so Jesus is stretching his men that uh, they just come back from this healing tour. They'd seen God supernaturally work. He's up to something. He wants to do something amazing, but it's a chance for him to bring them in on it. And so he says, kind of, kind of get out of the box and says, hey, where do, you, where do you think we could buy food to feed everyone dinner? Crazy question. And so Philip his response, uh, or it's in verse 6, it says um, that Jesus said this only to test him. This is, he's just trying to stretch his faith a little bit. He's just trying to, hey, you know, put this two and two together. we got 10,000 people. we got Jesus. Uh, there's no way. Uh, you know, maybe something special is going to happen here. So he asked him just to test this, for he already had in mind what he wanted to do. 
But Philip, of course, he doesn't get this at all. He's just not an out-of-the-box thinker. And so he says to him, are you kidding me? That's in the Greek. (laughs) He says, eight months' wages would not be enough to buy bread for each one to have a little. He's like, Jesus, are you kidding me? It's like, we, it would take like a, over a half a year's salary to buy enough food just to everyone to have a bite, like communion or something, you know? It's like, uh, like, it's just like, it's crazy. It's a crazy question. And so that's Philip's response. Well, there's another man there uh, named Andrew, one of his disciples. And Andrew is there. And I think Andrew, um, he doesn't know what Jesus is up to, but he senses he's up to something, you know? And like, he doesn't really know what Jesus is going to do, but he senses he's up to something. And so he decides to go out on the limb, just take a little risk, just a little bit of risk. You know, not a big risk, but just a little bit of risk. And so he, here's what he says. He says something that's equally ridiculous. He says, um, verse 8, another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, he spoke up. He said, hey, Jesus, um, there's this boy here. He's got these five small barley loaves. Now, these were like little pitas, like small little pitas. Barley was the food of the poor. So a little poor boy, he's got his happy meal. <laughs> like, like here's a boy, he's got, you know, this little poor boy, he's got his little happy meal. He's got these five little barley. He's got a couple little small fish, like little sardines or anchovies that they, they were in the Sea of Galilee. Just a little, this is a little dinner. It's, all, it's what it is. This is a little dinner. It's a little happy meal. He's got the little plastic boat that came with it, you know, the whole thing. <laughs> And, and, he's, and so the catch this, you got 10,000 people, and Andrew goes, oh, hey, I got this kid here with his Happy Meal. Can you see how ridiculous this is? This is like, this is out there. And, and Andrew knows it's out there. And he, he's waiting for the other guys to jump in and go like, hey, man, what are you talking about? We've got 10,000 people. What's like one little Happy Meal? So he quickly adds uh, to what he just said. He quickly adds, he says, but, but how far will that go among so many? You know? So he wants to take the risk. He wants to just step out there. He wants to throw it out and make Jesus available to Jesus. Take a little, kind of, he kind of senses Jesus up to something. He wants to throw it out there, but he wants to quickly kind of protect himself from all the abuse he's going to take from his buddies. Right? And so he throws it out there. And here's the beautiful thing. That's all Jesus needed. I mean, he just takes a little faith, a little risk, just offers what he has. I'm not even sure if it's his, you know. He's, hey, kid, I need your food. You know, it's like Whatever. And the kid's over there crying. Can I have my lunch back? No, just, we need it. Uh, you got the boat. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so he just takes this little step of faith. And that's all Jesus needed. That's all he needed. And so Jesus goes, that's good. I got one happy meal. That's good. That'll work. And so uh, verse 10, he says, uh, have the people sit down. <laughs> And there was plenty of grass in the place, and the men sat down. There's about 5,000 of them. Um, Mark tells us that when they had them sit down, they actually had them sit down in groups of 50 or 100, so you could easily count them, kind of document what was going on. Also easy for passing the bread. You know, ushers can go up and down the aisles, that type of thing. And so um, Jesus took the loaves, verse 11. He, he gave thanks. He distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. Everyone has their fill. He does the same with the fish. And what we're told in the other Gospels is, is actually Jesus didn't pass it out, but he started the miracle going. He, uh, he takes the, the fish. They, my, my hunch is that all the guys have their own baskets. And he, he starts, just like, here, give me your baskets. He starts breaking the fish, breaking the loaves, just kind of filling up one after another. They're watching. Their eyes are getting a little big, you know, as he's doing this thing. And then they actually are the ones who take it out and distribute it. 
And so um, in verse 12, when they all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and they filled 12 baskets. My guess, they each had their basket. So they're going back, they fill them back up again. And, uh, and they, uh, they, they filled the 12 baskets with the, with the pieces of the bar- five barley loaves they left over by those who had eaten. And so, and so this miracle happens. It's uh, this amazing event. It's the fourth sign in the Gospel of John. Remember, in this study, in this Gospel of John, remember John's making a case. His case is that there's a time and a place when the God who created time and space entered into history, became a part of the human race, and revealed himself. That's the case he's making. And throughout the Gospel of John, he's going to give us seven signs, seven miracles that kind of are evidence in this court case that he's presenting. Remember, chapter 2 is the first sign, turning water into wine. Chapter four, second sign, healing a sick man's, I mean, a man's sick son on his deathbed from 16 miles away with the word. A third sign was uh, chapter five, he heals a man who's been lame for 38 years. Now, fourth sign, feeding of the 5,000 with the five loaves and the two, two fishes. And so he heals this sign, and it's amazing. Can you just imagine the guys that day, you know, the 12 disciples, it's like they've got their basket, you know, Peter, John's got their basket, like, hey, man, I don't know what, you know, it's just like, I don't know this is not going to go very far, but let's just, let's just do it. I don't want to tell them, you know, you're going to tell them? No, I don't want to tell them. You told them last time. And so, so they start going through these rows of 50 and 100, and they're just passing it out, and they're just, their eyes are getting bigger because every time their basket comes back to them, there's just as much food as when they, they passed it. And they're like, you're making signs. He's like, it's your basket. He's just like, my full. You know, and so they're doing this whole thing. And, and, and of course, the people are catching on too. The people are catching on. They're, they're like, this is a miracle. Now, now, here's the part that they never tell you in Sunday school, right? Here's the part we never learned in Sunday school. Um, remember what time of year, what time of year is it? It's Passover. Passover, patriotic time. It's the time you remember when God sent Moses to deliver the nation did this amazing miracle, rescue from a great superpower of the world, right? Just it doesn't matter who's, if God's for you, it doesn't matter who's against you. And there remain, every year they pray for this. And now they've been following Jesus. His popularity is through the roof. Public roof, uh, uh, approval ratings at all-time high. They've been following him around the shore. They've been with him all day, listening to him teach, amazing teacher, watching him heal the sick all day long. And all of a sudden they start putting two and two together. Hey man, it's happening. It, it, all of a sudden, they remember another time in their national history when the nation was out in the wilderness and God fed them supernaturally with bread from heaven, right? And they're remembering it. It's all coming back. And someone's like, hey, man, I think, I think this is it. I think it's going down. I think this is the guy. Moses had predicted back in Deuteronomy 18 that one day God would send another prophet like himself. He called him like a super prophet. He was called the prophet. Many Jews at the time of Jesus believed that that was the Messiah. Other Jews believed, no, it's a different character than the Messiah. But, but they all believed that this, this, this amazing prophet would come, and Moses said, when he comes, better make sure you listen. And so they're watching this miracle. It's like they've got their second Moses. The second Moses is here. His bread from heaven. Look, he's doing the miracles. It's like God's, and, and all of a sudden, the talk of revolution is in the air. This is it. We got 5,000 men here. If God's with us, who could be against us? We need, to, we need to seize this guy. We need to make him king. We need to take on Rome. We need to kick out the Romans. And so it starts to rustle. It's conspiracies forming. Everyone's getting excited. Of course, this would be the worst thing that could possibly happen. 
This would derail all of God's plans. Uh, Jesus didn't come to be the king at this point in time. He came to die. Uh, if, they, if this were to happen, the Romans would come in. I mean, Herod's already out looking for Jesus. He just killed John the Baptist. The, the Roman armies would come in and crush this revolt. Thousands of Jewish people would die. Jesus wouldn't go to the cross. The whole thing would be messed up. It's a crisis. And so all of a sudden, verse 14, it says, after the people saw the miraculous sign that Jesus did, they began to say, surely this is the prophet. Notice not a prophet, the prophet. This is the prophet of Deuteronomy 18 who is to come into the world. This is the guy. And Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, literally to seize him, he withdrew again uh, to a moment, uh, to a mountain by himself. Now, the other gospels fill in the details that there's more to the story, that this is a major crisis. Jesus sees it brewing. He jumps into action. He takes his 12 disciples. He marches them down to the boat. And Mark, we're told, he compels them. You guys got to get out of here. He gets rid of his men. He gets, get, you guys get out of there's something. We need, to, we need to defuse this thing, get in the boat, get out of here. Uh, maybe they were getting caught up in the patriotic fervor, like, yes, it's go time. You know, let's throw it down. <laughs> let's take on the Romans. We don't know. But he, com- he gets rid of his men. You leave. He goes up. He dismisses the crowd. And then he heads for the hills. Those of you who have been in Israel or you, or you kind of follow Israeli history, the Golan Heights. You hear about that in the news. He heads for the Golan Heights where he's going to spend the night in prayer praying through this crisis until somewhere between 3 and 6 in the morning. So, okay? so, so that's the story. Right? That's the story of the day. This fourth amazing sign uh, that Jesus performs that we see that there's a time and place when, when God who created time and space enters in, becomes part of our history of the human race, reveals himself. Okay? Now, today in the time we have today, I want to focus on one uh, powerful lesson for us as Christ followers about what it looks like to partner with God in our lives, to partner with God in ministry in our lives. You know, he calls us to be part of his movement, to partner with him in taking the message and movement of Jesus out. And there's a powerful lesson in here today about partnership. And, uh, and honestly, I gotta tell you that this whole message took me totally by surprise. That uh, when I start to work on a message, I honestly, I never know it's gonna go. I just feel like you're kind of riding a buck and bronco. You're going to see where this thing ends up. Um, but there are some weeks, there's a lot of weeks that you know, I think it's going to end up in this general area. You know, it's like there's these two or three things. I don't know if we'll talk about two of them or one of them or all three of them or whatever. But, um, but I think it'll probably end up there, and it, it sort of does one way or another. But every once in a while, you're working on a message, and it just takes a total left turn. Like, you just never saw this coming. Like, so you never would have thought that would be the, the, the message. And, and I always get excited about this because when it happens, it usually means, like, God has a specific message for our church that you just wouldn't, like, no one else would see. It's just like his Holy Spirit's going, this is kind of for you right now and for what's happening in your church. And I think today is, like, one of those days. And so you look at the story, and on the surface, it's a story about Jesus feeding 5,000, famous miracle. But the message that God's really spoken to my heart of is about service. Um, something I don't think you'd normally see in this, but I think it's the message he has for us today. So there in your note sheet, you have a section called Serving Sacrificially, Partnering with Jesus. And I want to talk about this. What does it look like to be a church that partners with Jesus, unleashing a movement of passionate Christ followers, as we talk about here and what I want to do is just give you this one, kind of one key principle and then unpack it today and the rest of the time we have. So here it goes. The one lesson that's jumped out at me from this, this passage is that Jesus can do a lot 
with a little. The one thing that jumps out is that Jesus can do a lot with a little. Let me explain what I mean. Um, what, what intrigues me of this story is this conversation between Andrew and, and Philip and, and Jesus. So let's kind of backtrack. Let's set the stage. End of the day, right? They're exhausted. They're coming for a vacation. When they get to their resort, the, the inn is full. Full of people want to see them. And, uh, and so now they've laid aside their own agenda. They've worked hard all day. It's the end of the day. It's going to be dark soon. And Jesus wants to do something special. But instead of just doing it like he does with most miracles, in this case, he wants to involve his followers in the prayer. He wants to teach them a lesson about partnership. What does it look like to partner with a supernatural God? And so Jesus says to Philip, he throws out this crazy question, how are we going to feed them? Now, we've talked about how crazy this is at one level, but just let's take it one level more. I mean, stop and think, they're in the middle of nowhere. I mean, there are no stores around. Um, it's late in the day. Even if every one of his 12 men, he sent them off on a mission to find food. I mean, how are they going to pay for it? They don't have this kind of money. And secondly, if they even found it, they found some kind of secret warehouse with food in it. You know, how are they going to get it back? To, to the, and, you know, in a short amount of time before dinner, before it's dark. I mean, this whole, this whole plan is crazy. And, of course, what Jesus is doing is just trying to stretch their minds. Who am I? Who are you partnering with? You just came back from healing people. You came back from, from uh, casting out demons. You, you know, let's see, let's see what you got. Let's see, can, can you get outside of the box? Can you, can you begin to think a little bigger than your own little worlds? Can you begin to stretch? Can you begin to imagine what we could do together if you're partnered? And so he throws it out there because Philip doesn't, but the cool thing is Andrew does. I don't think Andrew gets the whole thing. I don't think Andrew saw, hey, I know what's going to happen. He's going to take the little happy meal and feed 5,000. Like, I don't think he saw that at all. But he, was, he sensed Jesus was up to something. And so what he did is he offered what he had. That's all he did. And what we learn from this is that Jesus can do a lot with a little. Now, I think there's a message here for us as a church that, that uh, there are times in our lives when God invites us to partner with him and to do something great. And, and we think we could never do it. We think, like, what do I have to offer? I don't really have much, but the point is it's not about us. It's not about you. It's, it's just about him. It's about what he can do with a little. So uh, you, you see this um, throughout the Bible. Uh, for example, <coughs> Uh, think with me in the Old Testament, story of Moses. Uh, you remember the story, Moses meets God at the burning bush. He's 80 years old. He's taking care of sheep. He's ready to start collecting Social Security, right? So that's Moses. And so he's, he's there. God shows up, and he said, I got a project for you. I want you to go to Egypt. I want you to talk to the Pharaoh, who's like the head of the superpower of the world in that region. And I want you to tell him to let all my people go, and I've got a plan. And Moses, you remember his response, like, I, I don't think so. Like, I, I think you got the wrong guy. I can't, I, like, I, I'm not the guy for this job. I, I, I don't have what it takes. I can't even talk straight. Can't even talk right. I, I'm not the right guy. And you remember what God says? He says, uh, yeah, okay, whatever. Um, what's in your hand? You remember what was in his hand? Okay, three remembered. 
How about the rest of you? What's in his hand? You've seen the movie, the cartoon. Yeah, the staff, right. You got the staff. Got the staff in his hand. He goes, what's in your hand? He says, okay, what's God telling him to do with the staff? Throw it on the ground. And when, it, when he does, it becomes a? And, when he, and then God says, pick it up. Uh, by the tail, not so bright. Pick it up. And, and then what happens when he picks it up? He goes, okay, you got your staff. He says, okay so, okay, so Moses, you don't have the five loaves and two fishes thing, but you got your staff. And that's what you do. You're a shepherd. That's all you got. I want you to take the staff. I want you to go down to Egypt. I just want you to trust me in this. So he goes down there. He does a snake trick. Doesn't go so well. And he's wondering, really, God? I'm not sure I have what it takes. He's like, just trust me. Now I want you to go strike the Nile with the staff. Okay. He strikes the Nile. What happens? Frogs come out. Frogs invade the land. Frogs are everywhere. And so, and so that doesn't convince Pharaoh. And so he says, okay, strike the earth. And the gnats infest the land. And then that doesn't work. And so he says, okay, um, raise the, your staff to the skies. And thunder and lightning and hail, huge hailstones destroy the land. And, you, and he goes through the plagues just using the staff. The staff of Moses becomes the staff of God. His five loaves and two fishes, he's doing amazing things. And you remember how the story goes after the 10 plagues? Pharaoh finally says, okay, you can go. He's leading the people out. Pharaoh has a change of heart, comes out from the armies. It's crisis time. They're, the red, they're going to the Red Sea. God says, take, stretch out your staff. And boom, the Red Sea parts. It's the biggest miracle in Old Testament, in the whole Old Testament. They go through. Pharaoh's armies are uh, destroyed. A new nation is birthed. All with a staff. It's just my staff. It's just my five loaves, just my two fishes. I, I, don't, I don't really have what it takes. Just trust me that Jesus can take a, a staff of Moses and turn into the staff of God. Just kind of trust me. Just do, just kind of give me what you have. You fast forward a few hundred years. It's the time of Gideon. Gideon is uh, hiding out one day. He's threshing his wheat in a wine press, which you don't normally do, but the reason he was doing that is because the Midianite invaders, hordes of Midianites, had taken over the land, were just destroying the land. The only way he could even preserve his own grain was to, to do it out of sight. And so God comes to him and God says, uh, calls him mighty warrior. And Gideon's uh, like, oh, you got the wrong guy. Uh, maybe check down the street. That's not me. No, really, I want you to go. I want you to leave the nation. I want you to kick out the Midianites, take on this huge invading army. And Gideon's like, I'm not the right guy. I, I've got, uh, uh, like, my clan is the smallest clan in my whole tribe. And in, in my clan, I'm the most insignificant person in my clan. You got the wrong guy. And just trust me in this. Just trust me in this. I want you to take 300 men, and that's all we need. Just trust me. Just take your five loaves, your two fish. Just take 300 men. And, and if you remember the story, they, they rout the enemy through an amazing nighttime uh, kind of attack sort of thing. Uh, you fast forward a few hundred years. You, get, you have a teenage boy named David going to visit his brothers on the, on the battle lines. When he gets there, they finds out this, this ch champion, Goliath, nine, ten feet tall, has been marching out every day. Uh, threatening, uh, uh, kind of mocking the nation of Israel, mocking their God. Everyone's afraid to, to fight him. And so David says, well, I don't have five loaves and two fishes, but I got five stones and a sling. And he offers God what he has. And we're still talking about it today. We're still telling stories about David today. 
And so in the same way, Andrew comes that day. He, he senses Jesus is up to something. He doesn't know what he's up to, but he senses something. He takes a little risk. He feels a little bit stupid even saying it. He knows his buddies are going to mock him about the happy meal. But it's like it's what he has. He senses Jesus is up to something. And so he says, okay, listen, you know, here's what I've got. It, it, it's kind of like, it's almost like saying you're fighting a forest fire. And it's like, oh, there's a kid here with a super soaker. You know, it's just ridiculous. But he senses God's up to something. And so because God's up to something, because Jesus is up to something, he, he'll offer him what he has. And here's, here's what I've got. And so he just offers it. And then Jesus can do a lot with a little. You see? And, and, and there's a lesson for us here as a church. There's a lesson about partnering with God. That when God is up to something, we might feel like we don't have a lot to offer. You don't need a lot. You just need what you have. Your five loaves and your two fishes. You offer that. God can do amazing things with it. You know, this week I, I had a, a great email from a guy uh, here at the church about I don't know, two, three months ago, he'd emailed me, and he was looking for a place to be more involved in service here, and kind of looking, you know, where's his five loaves and two fishes? Where, where can he serve? And we had some correspondence about that, and I hadn't heard back from him in a while, so I wanted to, to get back to him and see where's that going. And so he'd emailed me back this week, and he, he gave me an update, and he says, um, Pastor Mike, thanks for the update letter, you know, that, that one I sent out a week ago. He says, I'll continue to uh, keep our destination place in prayer. Hey, I just wanted to give you an update. I've been accepted for the position of leading worship in the kindergarten, pre-K, three- and two-year-old classes uh, every Saturday night, smiley face, till the first of the year. I've been filling in for almost two months every weekend. I really notice the kids coming alive. They remember me each week, and they want to share their week with me. I took this as a sign from God that this is where he wanted me to be. Please be praying with me as I think this is where I will stay after the first of the year as well. Being there consistently with the kids is what I hear God calling me to do. Since I still had time after the two-year-olds, uh, before church lets out at seven on Saturday nights, uh, I've been going into the toddler and nurseries and playing praise music softly uh, at, uh, towards the end of the service. Last weekend, wow, it's all caps, wow, I was so blessed. I was doing the music in the nursery, and one of the little ones stood up, put her, arm, put her hands in the air, and with a big old smile, bounced about and praised God. I almost cried. Just to see the joy of the Lord in that little child, the joy of the Lord just filled the room. Simply amazing. It's something I'll never forget. I feel so blessed to call Rocky Peak my home. And so I, I, I emailed them, and I, and I said, hey, you know, I'm, I'm teaching on this thing this week. It might, it might work to share your story. Would that be okay? He answers back, heck Yeah. Man, if one person gets blessed like I did, that would be awesome. I can't even describe it with such a rush of joy like I've never felt before. Please share it with everyone. And so here's the story. Here's just one guy who's just offering his five loaves and two fishes. It's, uh, it's not a huge thing. He can play guitar. He's offering to go in and, and lead the kids in worship, the young kids worship. This is five loaves, his two fish. He's, he's offering it. Now, here's the thing. We don't know the end of that story. When we read the story of the five loaves and two fishes in, that we're studying today, we know the end of the story. We, we can see the end. We see that how Jesus took these five loaves and two fishes and this one happy meal, and he, he fed, you know, 15,000 people. And it's an amazing story. It's, we see that. But often in our lives, we don't get to see the end of the story. Often in our lives, you know, each of our lives is like a, a pebble. It's like a stone that's thrown into this pool that sends out ripples that go on literally for generations. And it actually, it really does. 
But very rarely do we get to see it. We will not get to see all of that until the end of time when we're with Jesus and we get to review our life. Well, we'll get to see the influence that we've had. By, by loving that one person, by reaching out, by offering our five loaves and two, like the ripple effect of that. But let me tell you how this could play out. I'm not saying how it will, but this is how I see this stuff playing out all the time. Uh, th- in this guy's life, so he's, he's playing for kids. He's offering his five loaves and two fishes. It's not a huge thing. It's just a simple thing, but he's playing for kids. But a couple weeks from now, there's going to come a, a young couple to Rocky Peak. And uh, they haven't been in church since they were 12 years old. And they grew up, uh, you know, one was Lutheran, one was Catholic, kicked the traces, whatever. Haven't been in church. Now they're 25, 26, but they've, they've got this kindergartner. And uh, he's five years old, and he's starting to ask questions about God, and they don't know what to do. And and so they're thinking, boy, we got to get some religion in this kid. we got to get some kind of Bible stuff in this kid. And so let's, let's take him to this church. You heard about Rocky Peaks. So they're going to they're bring him to this church. And they're going to bring him to this church, and, and they're going to come in, and, and, and they're going to be uh, they're gonna be really nervous because they haven't been to church, and, and they're dropping their kid off. They're, they're this precious little boy. They're going to be dropping him off with people they don't know, and that's scary these days. And so they're, they're, they check it out. It seems safe, and so they, they leave him, and they come into the service. And when they walk in the service, they're going to be blown away. It's not going to be like what they expected church to be. It's nothing like what church was when they were growing up. It was like they're going to love the music and they're going to relate to that. And then the guy gets up and he's like, he's wearing sandals. Like, what's up? And, and then there's going to be like the time of teaching and they're going to understand it. And they're going to like, I really, been that was helpful. I, I really followed that. And, and they're going to enjoy it. But what they really care about is a little boy. Because that's why they're here. And so they kind of rush over to the kindergarten department because they're going to want to know, know how their little boy did. And when they read him at the door, he runs to them. And the first thing out of his lips is, can we come back next week? And on the way home, they're download, downloading the service with him. And he's talking about the story he learned and about this man who played the music and how, how he just loved the songs. And all week long, he's going to be singing those songs. Because you know how little kids are. They just like, they pick up songs like that. And, and so all week long, he's, can we go back to that church? Can we go back to that church? And so they're going to say yes because, because his son wants to. And they're going to come back. And as they come back for the next two months, every week, they're going to look at each other at the end of the service and say, man, I felt like that was speaking right to me. Because the Holy Spirit's going to be all over them. And it's going to, they're experiencing something they've never experienced. And after two months' time, they're going to give their life to Christ. And they're going to get baptized about a month later. And then they're going to join a life group. And they're going to get Bibles. And their life's going to change. And about six months from now, what's going to happen is that their friends around them are going to be saying, like, what's up with you? Like, you seem different. Like, you're going to this church thing. And they're going to be, you know, I don't really know how to explain it. We start going to this church. Our, our life changed. Our little boy, he loves it. He's just doing the thing. And they're like, well, you know, our, you know we, we've got a five-year-old too. And he's been, you know, we've been thinking about possibly. And, and they're going to come. And they're going to, and this is how the movement of Jesus goes on. See, it goes on as, as just we all just take our five loaves and our two fishes. And we say, it's not much, Jesus. It's a happy meal. But if you can use it. And he knows how to make a lot with a little. And you know, uh, one of the things I'm excited about here is it's going on here. This is happening here. Um, yesterday morning, I got up and, and came to church, and uh, we had a training going on. Remember, I've been talking to you this last year about how hey, we need more life groups. Church growing, we're going to need more we're gonna need life groups. We need, we need more life groups for people. And so some of you, God's going to call you. And so when he calls you, be listening and pay attention and leave the comfort of your group and take the risk and step out there and start a new group or host a new group. And so, man, a lot of you have been listening. And so yesterday, 
uh, we went to this training. There was 52 people there, this training. He said, yes, I mean, I'll, I'll give my five loaves. I'll give my two fishes. I'll lead, I'll host or whatever. And so I spent the first half an hour of my day with these people, just casting vision of the, the importance of these roles to the heart and soul of this church. And, and you are the key leaders in this church. And as you go, the church will go. And you need to be growing and pursuing God because your group will reflect that. And, and so kind of pouring into to them. And then, then I had to leave because yesterday was the, the one-year anniversary of the Chatsworth train wreck. And so there was a, a memorial service and a plaque service and all happening over by Stony Point. And so they had approached us, the city had approached us, could we use your parking lot to shuttle people to there, to this place? And could we use your facility and, and so we could, we could do a lunch here afterwards? And we'd said yes, and so we were partnering with them. And so I was going down there to, to, be, uh, to, to watch that whole event. And I came back, and when I got back here, the tent set up, and I, I, I ran into one of our, our volunteers here and, and asked her the schedule, and like, what's going on with this thing? And she tells me, and so she's, this is her five loaves and two fishes. She's coordinating this event for, this, for the community, to reach out to the community in the name of Christ, you see? And so she's doing that. When I get back, and it's, it's lunchtime, the big tent's set up, and you got all those Toros over here, they're providing the food, and it's just, you know, great, and the whole thing. And I decided to go up to our youth center because our youth center, we're remodeling it right now because we, we need to have expanding youth staff. We need more offices. And so I go up there and I see some guys from our SWAT team, you know, our volunteers here, servants with the talent. And, and, and I got an electrician up there from our church and we got a, a contract from our church. And, 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 and they're working on this, uh, remodeling this thing. And they're, they're using their five loaves and their two fishes. And they're, they're, that's, they're, they're doing their thing, you see. And I go outside and I was looking for the leader of the SWAT team and he was out waiting for the people pizza for his literal five loaves and two fishes and so couldn't couldn't find him and and, and then like what two weeks ago I'm here at church and and, I, and I'm teaching and and about how what's your deepest passion what's in your box and and there's a lady here that had been approached that very week about being a key leader in a large ministry here that, that meets on our campus and she had said no to that opportunity because she felt like she was too busy and she had other th agenda but during that message God spoke to her heart and so she found the, the, the key leader afterwards and said, God spoke to my heart, I'm in, I want to lead. And that week then she's meeting with one of the key leaders to get oriented to that ministry and finds out there's this another huge need that they've been praying for, someone to oversee a big part of the ministry. It's not her calling, but she knows a friend of hers from Rocky Peak. And so she calls her and shares this and the person prays and she says, yes, I'm in. And so, so now they're all re rejoicing because they've been praying these two key positions they need. And so she's offering her five loaves and her two, two fishes. And then three weeks ago here in the weekend service, uh, one of the guys out there, there's a, there's a man out there in the service, and he used to be involved big time in global ministries uh, here, and in particular outreach to, to Mexico. But he's been out of that for a while. And so he's, he's sitting there, and during the service, God speaks to him. It has nothing to do with what I'm saying. <laughs> you know, it's just awesome. God's just like, don't listen to Mike right now. I need to talk to you. And uh, we'll catch up with him, and I'll tee up for you. But, uh, and so he begins to speak to his heart about his time to get out of the blue. It's time for you to get back in, in, in heading up the Mexico missions. And, and so he says yes to God. He walks out of the patio afterwards. Brian Moorhead, our pastor of Global Ministries, walks up and says, you know, I've been wanting to talk to you. Would you ever consider getting back involved in Global Ministries? He said, I already got the message. You know, God's already talked to me. Yes, I would. You see, you see, this is how a movement happens. It happens as every one of us just senses, Jesus, you're up to something. All I've got is a happy meal. That's all I got. 
But if you can use my happy meal, then I'm in. I'm in. And it's a beautiful thing. And you know, sometimes, for, for some of us, can, we can be so slow to respond because we don't really see how what we have to offer could really be used. I mean, it's just five loaves. It's two fishes. The need, there's 10,000 people. Like, what is my happy meal going to do? For a lot of us here, we're like Moses. We're like, you got the wrong guy. I can't speak. We're like Gideon. I'm the wrong guy. I'm the least in my clan. We're not like David. We're like David's older brothers. Why did you even come today? You're the runt of the family. You have nothing to offer. You see? We're like Andrew that almost didn't speak up that day. You know, he's, he got one kid, got the happy meal. Oh, but what's the big deal about that? You know, that's, what really can that do? He took the risk, but barely. You see? And for many of us, we, we come to, 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 the, uh, to what God is doing, and we, this is how we go through our life. It's like, we, we don't know. It's like, what, what do I have to offer? You know, I, I'm a brand new Christian. I don't know anything. I don't know the Bible. I've never led a group before. I'm not that experienced. I'm not this. I'm not that. I don't have that much time. And so Jesus is saying, hey, we've got, we've got three valleys to feed out here. Where are we going to buy food? And we're like, I don't know. You know? You're right. It's overwhelming. Can't really do it. And what God's looking for is just people that would just say, here's my five loaves, here's my two fish. I know it sounds ridiculous, but if you can use me, use me. You see? And so that's what's going on. See, here's what I believe. I believe that God is up to something here uh, at Rocky Peak. Just like he was up on the plains that day, he was up to something. That he had a vision, what he wanted to accomplish. Did you ever wonder, like, what would have happened if Andrew had not spoken up that day? You wonder, like, I, I was thinking about that a lot. Like, what would have happened if Andrew didn't offer the Happy Meal? You know, like, like, maybe Jesus just figures out a different way. I don't know. But it wouldn't surprise me if Jesus said, okay, let's move on then. Send him away. That, that he's going to do another sign, but it's going to be on a different day. Remember when he was in Nazareth, his hometown? He says he couldn't do many miracles there. There wasn't enough faith in town. You know what? What would have happened that day? Maybe we wouldn't be reading the story of the 5,000 today if Andrew hadn't offered his five loaves. Actually, it wasn't even his. It was other kids. Five loaves and two fishes. You see, I believe God's up to something here at this church. I'm convinced of it. I believe this. He is unleashing a movement of passionate Christ followers. But it's going to happen as each of us bring our five loaves and two fishes. You see, it's happening. It's going to happen because some guys who have building skills say, here's my five loaves and two fishes. It's going to be happen because some of you say, I could do children's ministry. I think, I think God's calling me there. I, I could lead that worship. I could lead a small group. It's going to happen because some of you are going to say, I could, I could lead. They've asked me to lead. I could lead that. It's going to happen. You know, in the last couple of weeks, we've launched this new ministry, First Impressions, about 150 or 200 volunteers. And you, some of you are going to say, I could do that. I love people. I would love to stand out there and I could just greet people. It's not a lot. I could walk them to their classes. I could serve them a cup of coffee or a bagel at a new cafe. I, it's not a lot. It's just five loaves and two fishes. But you see, 
God can do a lot with that if we're just available. And so, and so what are your five loaves and two fishes? My hunch is, is that a lot of you, you're already offering that. I know so many of us, so you're, you're, you're in, you're offering your five loaves to you, but God's using you, he's multiplying it already. There's some of us here that you're offering three loaves and one fish right now. And he's like, okay, that's been awesome, but we need to go to five and two. I, I need the next, here's the next thing for you. And then there's some of us here that we've been on the sidelines and we haven't jumped in because we think, what can I do? I don't have that much. It's not that, what? And, and the message is, hey, let's, let's just join on in because God's up to something. He's looking out. He knows what he's going to do. I don't know exactly what it's going to do, but I'm kind of like Andrew. I can tell he's up to something. And so I'm here with the messenger today just to say all he's asking for, five loaves, two fishes, bring what you got, and let's see what God does. Let's pray. Father, we're just excited about what you're doing at our church, the way you are waking us up, calling us on. And God, we, we want to be part of this movement, unleashing this movement of passionate Christ followers that one day we will say that we were there. We were there when it all broke loose. We were there when you began to move. And, and we won't just say that we were there, but we were part of it. We welcome newcomers, we watch babies, we led life groups, we work in the community, we serve people, we led worship, we help park cars. We, we were part of it. It was only five loaves, it was only two fishes, but we were part of it. And so God, we pray that you'd speak to us and call us by name, even as you did to Andrew and Philip, just calling them out, asking us for what we have, and we pray that you'd give us the grace to respond, the willingness to be a part of something great. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.